Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians is right after the book of Romans in the New Testament. Uh, it's like the seventh book, I believe, somewhere in there, pretty close. Right, Jeff? I see you counting. <laughs> uh, right after Romans, right before 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 12 this morning. Before we get there, I want to share just a, a little bit uh, really quickly here. Uh, number one, it's good to be back together again. Um, that I say that because last week we were not here. We weren't able to, to be here. We had some uh, adverse weather conditions that, uh, that kept us away. And I don't know about you guys, but um, anytime, anytime I miss a Sunday morning especially, uh, for whatever reason, whether it be icy road conditions, whether it be vacation, whether it be somebody sick in the family, or anything like that, I, I miss being here. I miss being with you guys, and until, until I can get back with my faith family again, things just aren't quite right. You know, nothing's quite normal. Everything is kind of discombobulated on me. It, it just things aren't quite uh, the way they should be until I can get back together uh, with, with you guys. So I'm really glad that we started our Wednesday night uh, class this week, So because uh, even though we missed Sunday, we were able to come together on Wednesday night, and I was super encouraged uh, by the folks that were here uh, that night. That was awesome, awesome. So if you haven't joined in that, we want to encourage you <clears throat> to do that and, uh, and join us on our Wednesday night uh, anthem or class. But like I said, things just aren't quite right until I can get back with my faith family. But once I do, once that happens, once I do gather with you guys and we can worship together and we can share with one another and I can see everybody face to face and, and talk about life and struggles and uh, rejoicing in different things and, and all that kind of stuff. Once that actually does happen, then things can, can kind of get back to normal. Uh, they they kind of get back into the, uh, the swing of things. Uh, so for me, church, being here with you guys is a part of life that I, I'm not sure that I could do without it. I'm just, I'm not certain that I could, could go through life without this, you know, without, without you guys. Um, so I want to ask a loaded question, all right? This is a very loaded question. Am I the only one that feels that way? Does anybody, am I? I guess I am, okay. So I guess it's not as loaded as I thought. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, seriously, am I the only one that feels that way? Or are there, are there at least a few of us that, that feel that way as well? And I say, I say that's a loaded question because I'm very well aware that some of us may be sitting in here right now and like, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not even sure why I'm here right now. I mean, I, that's just a fact. Sometimes it's just like, I, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm here, but I'm not exactly sure why? I don't really understand why all this is so important. Um, that may be exactly how you feel. You, you may just be like, I don't understand what the purpose of church is. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to get out of it. What, is, what does all this really mean? What does it all look like? Why should I have this desire that you're talking about to be with these people? Let alone make it such a part of my life that I can't live without it. You know, that I kind of can't go on without it. Surely it can't be that important. You know, so that may be some of the things that you're thinking. But I want to say that I hope that's not how you feel, and we don't want that to be how you 
feel. We want everyone in here to have a genuine godly desire to gather with God's people, to gather together with your faith family, to be together, to, to do some of those things that I shared just a minute ago, just to, to be together, to uh, share Jesus with the community around us, to, to help our community understand and experience the gospel, like genuinely experience the gospel and what it means, to be a part of one another's lives. We're not meant to be islands out there alone. We're, we're meant to be together. We're meant to have community. We're meant to worship together. Um, to rejoice together. Again, like I said, bear one another's burdens. All those kind of things. We're meant to do those things together as the church. So I do, we do hope that what I was describing is not how you feel and that what you feel is a genuine desire to be with God's people. So as it turns out, that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, we're going to talk about being together, worshiping together, uh, being the body of Christ. But more importantly than just wanting you to desire to be a part of it, we want you to understand why. The why behind it. Why should I desire to be a part of this? Why should me being a part of the body matter? Uh, why are these things so important? More so than just being in the quote-unquote universal church, that means just being a believer. You know, being a believer across history of all the believers that have ever been. We want you to be more than that. We want you to be a part of a local covenant partnership with us here at Anthem Church or whatever church you do decide to go to, not just, again, the, the universal church. So to put it another way, we want you to know why and understand why church membership is important. Why it's important. Why does it matter? that we're connected to one another. And that's what we, we were talking about um, last week. I'll get to this in just a second. But covenant partnership, that's a word that I used just a minute ago. We covenant together. We bond together. We're bound together. It's more than just kind of a membership of a country club kind of thing. It's far, far more than that. So we've started a new sermon series. We actually did start a new sermon series. This is the second part of the new sermon series. It's called... Covenorship. Anybody ever heard that word? I had never heard of it either until like last week. But it's a word that Rick has coined. All right, so this is a this is a Rickism. Uh, but it's the combination between covenant and partnership. That's what we're trying to do here. Covenorship, covenant partnership is what that is referring to. Uh, so we're again we're bound together with one another as a body of believers, to be a member of the local church. That's what that is referring to. So in this sermon series, what we want you to see is what the Bible actually does say about church membership, what it says about local church membership, being a part of a local body of believers, not just what some church says about it, not just what a denomination says about it, not what somebody you talked to 15 years ago says about it or anything, what the Bible says about it, what God says about it. That's what we're trying to dig into. And not only what they say about it or what God says about it, but how we should respond as well. Okay, so that's what we're trying to, to get into. We're actually in part two today, as I said just a minute ago, because um, believe it or not, there was a message preached last week, and it is on YouTube for you to go back and enjoy. Rick actually preached the first part of this uh, series last week in his office, and he posted it on YouTube for us to go and uh, and go and watch. The audio is also on our website, so you can catch up 
that way as well if you have not had a chance to, uh, to check out either one of those. Now, before we um, get into our passage this morning, I want to say, just want to prepare you just a little bit because what, some of what I'm going to share may sting a little. It, it, may, it may burn just a little bit. Um, know that that is in love. Know that that is, that is not me trying to push anything on you. It's just, know this, I was stung first, okay? Just let me say it that way. I was stung first as I was going through this whole thing. So, if you have your Bible, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> we're going to look at uh, verses 12 down to 27, but we're going to start with verses 12 and 13. So I'm going to read those real quick. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So the very first thing we see in these first couple of verses of this letter that Paul has written to the church at Corinth is that the body has to function as one. The body has got to function as one. Many members, one body. Okay, it's got to function as one single um, entity. Now, do you know this? Do you know there are 11 different systems? Now, some of you anatomy folks may know this. There are 11 different systems that make up the human body. Different, just 11 different and these systems. That means there's more stuff in the systems. I'm going to go through a few of them, not all of them. One of them is the skeletal system. We all understand that, right? Our bones. There's some 206 different bones in our body. All right? Then there's the muscular system. The muscular system has anywhere between 640 and 850 different muscles. Some of us have a whole lot more. Some of us have a whole lot less. <laughs> For whatever reason. Then there's the cardiovascular system. The, 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 the part that has the heart and our blood and then there's like 60,000 miles of veins, vessels, arteries, those kind of things in our body. 60,000 miles. And then there's our digestive system, consisting of about 10 different organs, all of which contain smaller parts. And then there's the nervous system. The nervous system consists of the brain, spinal cord, nerves, all of that has anywhere from 95 to 100 billion neurons and nerve cells. And that's just about half of the list. That's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, that is a ton of stuff that God has used and put together and made it all work together to make up a human body. I mean, that is a lot of stuff. To, to just confine all into one space, uh, 95 to 100 billion? Now, granted, nerves and neurons are a little bitty, but good night, that's still a lot. Anyway, that's just amazing stuff to me. It's, uh, it's just phenomenal. And when I was looking at that list, I was like, oh, my gosh, the stuff here. It's just amazing. Not amazing enough to make, make me to want to be a doctor or anything like that because I, I definitely don't want any part of that. But 
it is, uh, it is definitely amazing. And just the fact that it takes all those different parts, all those different things, doing what they're supposed to do, functioning the way they're supposed to function, operating the way they're supposed to operate, for the body collective to work and do like it's supposed to do. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing to me how God put all that together and, uh, and made that happen. It's just a phenomenal thing. But here's the thing. If all those parts are not all functioning correctly, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then we're not healthy. Then we can't be healthy and we can't function like we're supposed to. I think that's why Paul is using this analogy between the body and the church. Because he says that's the same thing between the two. And I think he's specifically referring to the local church, like us right here, Anthem, or Cuts Chapel, or Trinity Baptist, or whoever else, a local body of believers. I think that's who he is speaking to, because he's written this letter to a specific body of believers, not to the church universal necessarily. So when we say the local church, again, we're referring to individual congregations like us right here. Um, and that the, everything in that church, all the different people, all the different parts, and it takes a lot. Smaller scale than the body, but it still takes a lot of different parts for the body to function like it's supposed to. But here's the disturbing thing. This is the, when I read this part, I was like, man, this is not very good, all right? So the Barna group, the Barna Research Group, says that only 36%, 36% of born-again believers volunteer. 36% of born-again believers volunteer. And I'm assuming they're referring to, like, in your church, in your, in your local body there. That's like a third. It's like one-third of the born-again believers actually Volunteer. That is not a good sign of a healthy church or a body that is functioning as it should. They go on to say that of those who do not volunteer, 68% of those said that it's because they've never been asked to help. They've never been asked to do anything, to help do anything. So with that said, everybody, look at me. Look at me, everybody. We need some help, all right? Come join us. Come help us. We've got a lot of different things going on. We need you to join in with us and help us. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if he has redeemed you and saved you, man, we need you to partner with us and help us out. So there's your ask. You cannot say you have not been asked. Everybody in here. So I expect that number to go way up. <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, more important than that, we don't want you just to help. You know, we don't want just bodies to help do stuff. We want you to find that place that God has for your life. We want you to do that thing that God has designed you to do. And we're going to look at some specific stuff here in just a minute where he speaks to that very directly, that we all have a, a function, we all have a part to play. But we do need one another. Um, we do need one another to help do this because we all are supposed to model this example of Jesus in our life, Right? That's what we're supposed to do, but we need each other to do that, and we're, we need to be humble. We need to be sacrificial in our service um, because he gave himself for us. We owe a ton to Jesus because of what he's done. 
and the grace that he has given to us and the fact that he has allowed us to have covenant relationship with God through his death, burial, resurrection. So he died so that we can live. We can be co-laborers for the gospel, partnering with God and with other believers. That's what membership is. That's what covenant partnership is. That's all it is. It's us just agreeing together, joining together, doing stuff together, functioning as the body through the local church. That's what it is. And again, it takes a ton of different parts and different people doing different things, working together to make that happen and to make the body function the way it's meant to be. So that leads us into our next set of scriptures, our next passage here, verses 14 through 20. Let's read those. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So the second thing that we see here, I think, is that every part of the body has a function. Each and every part of the body has a specific function. So not only does it take all these individual parts to make up the body, but everything has a role. Every part, every little thing has a part to play. Something that it does that the other parts may not be able to do. Or not even that. I mean, that's one thing that the other parts may, that can't do what our part does, but there may be something that our part has to do so that the other parts can do what they need to do. I mean, it takes all of it working together to make it function, make the body function as it should. And if all the parts did the same thing, if all the parts did the same thing as what Paul is saying here, then the body ceases to be the body. It just becomes that part. And that one part can only do that one thing. So it ceases to function as it is supposed to, and it only functions as the one part that it is. And here's the other thing. Where each part is placed and where each part has its position and and what it does, it's not by accident. It is not by accident at all. It's not just happenstance that these things are put together the way they are in our body or in the church. It's not accident that you're here. If you're a part of Anthem, it's not accident that you're a part of Anthem. We want more people to be a part of Anthem, but it's not an accident that you're here. Look at what verse 18 says how he says that God is the one who chose how to arrange the parts the way they are. God is the one who placed them there. God is the one who put them there. He placed them where he wanted them to be, gave them the things that they need to do what they need to do, both in the body and in the church. And that's a big deal because the parts didn't choose for themselves what they wanted to do. The parts of our body did not choose for themselves what they wanted. My eyes didn't choose they wanted to be eyes. My feet didn't choose they wanted to be feet. They didn't do that. They just do what God told them to do. The other body parts didn't choose what they're supposed to do either. Do you follow? 
There's only one person directing all that. One person directing all that, and that's God himself. It was him who chose it, who designed it, who put it together. God himself did that. So again, that's in the body, but it's the same for the church as well. Each part, each member, each individual believer within the local church has a specific function, a specific role, something that they are supposed to do, something that he has given to each of them. So each of us have a role that God wants us to play, something that he wants us to do, something he's given each of us to do that we must do in order for the function for the body to function and be healthy. So we all have a part to play. And because God has given it to us, because, he, because he's the one that has placed maybe a desire in us or placed us in a place where we can do certain things, then we don't get to boast about it. We don't get to make much of it. It's not ours to make much of. It's his. He's the one that gave it to us. We then just do what he's asked us to do. We also don't make light of it if it's something that we may not may not be as crazy about doing. God's the one that gave it to us. He's the one that is orchestrating all those things. So we don't get to boast about it. We don't get to make too little of it either because it's God who has put us there to begin with. But it's really easy for us to fall into one of those camps too. So we have to guard, we have to guard against that. We have to guard against that in our own heart. So the question at this point, at this point in the message, the question is, are you doing what God has designed you to do? Are you doing, are you in the role that God has designed for you in the local body? Are you fulfilling the role that he has for you? Or are you making excuses for why you can't? Or even worse, why you just won't? Where do we fall in that? And I'm going to go ahead and bust your bubble, too, on the can't part. All right? I can't do anything about the won't. If you won't do it, I can't really help that. But I can correct you on the can't part. Because you see, not only has God placed you where he wants you, not only has he put you where he wants you to be, he's given you everything you need to do it. He doesn't just put you out there and say, okay, do the best you can. No, he gives you every single thing you need to be able to do whatever the role is that he's put you in. We have to trust him in that. We have to believe that he's with us, that he has placed us where we are, and that we can do what it is that he's called us to do. And we know that because if we back up in, verse, in uh, chapter 12 and look at verses 4 through 7, he says it very, very explicitly. Okay, so verses 4 through 7 of chapter 12. He says, now there are, Paul's writing this, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Specifically in verse 25 and 26, the last part of 25 and verse 26, or excuse me, I'm thinking about another passage there. Verse 5, 6, and 7. Um. God is the one who empowers us. He gives us the power, the, the gifts, the, the tools, everything that we need to do what it is that he's called us to do. He's given it to us. And he says to each one, he's given a manifestation of the spirit. This is a way of making much of God. That's what that's talking about, making much of him. 
He's given us something to be able to do that. And he says, for the common good. So I would say that I'm sorry to do that, but I'm really not because I, I really did just kind of take away the whole I can't thing from you because if, if you're saying that you can't do it, then you're saying that God can't do it, and that's just wrong. All right? It's just, that's just bad. That's just really, really bad. So you have to trust. You have to know that God can do it in you, that he has put you there, and that you can do whatever it is that he has called you to do. Um, he does that through the Holy Spirit. He gives us everything. Every believer, he gives what they need to do, what it is that he has placed them in the body to do. And he does that because he has redeemed us. There's not anything good about us to make us be able to do anything. It's because of what God has done in us that we can do that. Okay, he gives us a gift of the Holy Spirit through his death, burial, resurrection, through the forgiveness of our sins, through that, those events that he did. He has, uh, he has redeemed us. He has called us to himself. He has also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift that empowers us to do what it is that he wants us to do in the body here. So what more could we ask for? I mean, is there anything more that we really need? Do we need anything else? I don't think so. I think we have everything we need to do what it is that he is, he is calling us to. And that gifting varies from person to person, okay? We, we can't look at it as, well, I can't do this, so I'm not a part of the body. That's what he's saying just a minute ago. No, you, everybody has a role, and that role is defined by God. So no matter what that role is, whether it's something out front that everybody can see and is just, you know, just out front, like standing up here, for example, or singing on the praise team, those are things we say, well, yeah, somebody's gifted to do that. I can't do that. That's okay. That is okay. God has gifted you in another way to do something else. It may be something that nobody ever sees. And let me tell you, those things that nobody sees are just as vital, are just as crucial to the life of the church as somebody standing right up here. If we don't have somebody doing the other stuff, man, this ceases to be the body. It, it takes every one of us doing all these different things. So it doesn't matter whether it's out front and everybody sees it, whether it's behind the scenes and nobody sees it or nobody even knows what's going on. But you're given your gift by God, number one, and for the common good, number two. So use it. Use it for the health of the body, not only for God, but for us as well, for each other. So again, I believe that to be um, understood in the sense of the local church, um, because how can I exercise my gift with somebody a thousand years ago or with somebody on the other side of the world, for example? Um, if, I, if my part, and if I'm supposed to be a hand, for example, and the part that I'm connected to, supposed to be connected to, is in China, and they're the arm that I'm supposed to be connected to, how does that work? The, the body breaks down at that point. That's why I say I think it's, it's us. It's, it's right here. It's the folks in this room and, uh, and those that aren't with us right now that would be in this room. That, that's who this is referring to. So even if I could exercise my gift for the common good of the universal church, but I was neglecting to use it here within the local church, man, that's a shame. You know, we hear, we hear some folks talk about how I, I use my gift to do this or that or I'm doing this other thing outside of the church and, and we're neglecting this body or the body that you should be plugged into. 
man, that is a, that is a terrible shame to, uh, to do that. So let's move forward here. We're going to keep going. Verses 21 to 27. Paul writes, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the, have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So not only do we see that each part has a specific function that we saw in the, the previous verses, but right here we see that each part of the body needs each other. Every part of the body needs the other parts. Paul continues his analogy of the body and the church in these verses, and he reminds us that we all need each other. No matter what part we are, no matter what role we have, no matter what our function is within this body of believers, that is Anthem Church, there's no one greater than another. And we all need each other, whether we want to admit it or not. We do. We, we need one another. Like I said a minute ago, just like my eye can't say to my hand, I don't need you, nor can my head say to my feet, I don't need you, because the fact of the matter is they all need each other in, for the, in order to do what God has designed them to do, and that's function as a body. We need each other the same way in order to function as the body of believers that God has designed us to be. The problem that we have oftentimes is that we, sometimes we don't think we need each other. We, we, we get into this mindset of, I can do this by myself, or I can, I can be on my own, or I, can, I don't need the church, or I don't need this or that or the other thing. And we think that we can go through life alone, that we may not need anyone or anything. I think that's a very American mentality, quite honestly, that, that we just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do your own thing and, you know, do what's good for you, that kind of, that kind of stuff. But um, I don't think it works that way. I think we figure out pretty quick that we can't do that. But when we think that way, what we end up doing, we end up amputating ourselves from the body. When we have that mentality and we let that mentality sink in and, and seep into our heart, we end up literally severing ourselves, cutting ourselves off from the body. And sometimes that happens. That amputation might happen when we get dissatisfied with where we are, you know, what our role is, what we're supposed to be doing, and we're just like, man, I just don't want to do this anymore or, or whatever. Um, maybe we're burned out for some reason. We're just tired of doing it. We've just been doing it and doing it and doing it, and we're just tired of doing it, and we've kind of lost focus of why we do it. Or any number of things. There's, uh, maybe there's discontent for some reason. I mean, there's any number of reasons that there might be but whatever the reasoning is, 
we end up saying, I just, I don't need this. I don't need this anymore. I don't need these people. I need to be away from here. I need to not be a part of this anymore. And again, we, we cut ourselves off. We sever ourselves from the church, and then we might leave. We might go and get connected with another church somewhere, possibly, but there's usually a span of time that you're not. So you end up severing yourself, amputating yourself from the body. And I know that feeling. I understand that feeling very, very well um, because that's where I was not too long ago, quite honestly. Just a matter of months, I would say, that um, the, that's exactly where I was. I was, I was ready, to, ready to throw in the towel, ready to call it quits, just be like, I am done. I don't want no more of this. I am finished. Um, and I know that's a far cry different than what I started the sermon with. But, um, but nonetheless, nevertheless, that is, uh, that is the fact. And uh, how I was talking about how I love being here, but yet I was still struggling and was ready to just be done. And both of those are true. They're, they're both very true. But what... What was so good about it was when I was in that valley, when I was in that spot, I had people that are part of this body that recognize that, and they walk with me through that season. I didn't go through that by myself. I had my wife who was helping me through it. Uh, Rick was helping me through it. There's a number of people that they, they come together, and they start functioning as they're supposed to to help me get back to where I needed to be. Okay, so it's, both of those things were true. I love this place. I love this church. I love y'all, everything. But at the same time, I was ready to not be with y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, it was just a, it was a rough, rough spot to be in. It was a terrible, terrible struggle. And uh, you get to a point where you're almost like, I don't care. I, I don't care what nobody thinks. I don't care what nobody feels. It don't matter to me no more. I am done. But yet, on the, at the same time you're saying that, you're like, I know that's not right. And I know I'm not supposed to feel that way. And I want to change it. Okay, so it's, there, there's parts going, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't amputate yourself uh, like that. Um, because it's when we actually do follow through with that amputation that things go bad. That's when we, we do that, and then we leave an injured, hurting, struggling, fighting to survive church behind. We leave a body behind when we do that. No matter what the reasoning is, whether you're mad, whether you're upset, whether something didn't go the way you want to, whatever the reasoning is, when you do that, you leave behind just catastrophe. Because the rest of the body has to try to make up for that part being gone. And we, you hear people talk about that all the time, that, that real like amputees, they, they have a part that's gone and the rest of their body has to do other things. Um, I know my, the owner of my company, he's got, a, he's got a disease that is causing him to go blind. He, he's virtually blind now, um, has never been, but he's just it's getting there. And he will tell you that now other parts of his body have to do things differently because of his blindness. And it, it causes him a great struggle just to, to get around. 
and live and move and do the things that, that he needs to do. Um, so again, don't, now granted, that's not him choosing to be blind. That's just something that's happening. But when we leave like that, when things are going, when parts are not there, things don't go as they should. And the body has to fight harder to, uh, to survive. But then there's also another type of amputation that I think is even worse, really, than the one that's just like, I'm done, I'm gone, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm cutting myself off from this. But it's what I would call a virtual amputation. And that, to me, is worse because that's the person who comes, who is here, who is in here on a Sunday morning, who comes and they listen and they sit and they, they, uh, they, they participate in the worship service. They might give a little, bunny, little bit of money and poof, they're gone. They don't do anything else. That's the limit of their involvement. They're not involved in any other way in service and doing anything for the church. That's a virtual amputation. It's like I'm here, but I'm not really here. It's like I'm involved, but I'm not really involved. I'm connected, but I'm not really connected. And that, to me, is even worse, because it's like, dude, you're right there. Just do what you need to do. And they're like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. So that's, uh, that's the other type. And I think those kind of things are what Paul is talking about and speaking to in these few verses here that we looked at, especially at uh, verses 25 and 26, when he, talks about, to when he talks about there being no division in the body and that the members care for one another. You can't care for one another if you're not connected to one another. You can't help one another if a part is gone, if it's not there. It, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. But that's what he's talking about. When one suffers, they all suffer. And I think we all know that just because we have a human body. And we know that when something goes wrong, man, the whole body suffers. I mean, that's just the way it, that's just the way it goes. But then on the flip side, too, when something good happens and you rejoice, man, the whole body rejoices. Everybody rejoices. When one part of our family here is struggling, is hurting, man, we come alongside them. We bear that burden with them. And when things go good and you get great news and great reports, man, you rejoice with them at the same time. That's the way it's supposed to work. Not parts leaving and running away or not doing what they're supposed to do or those kind of things. He's talking about unity. He's referring to unity of the body. And that's probably one of the, most, one of the single most important characteristics in the life of any church, I think, is unity. Because we all know, if you've been around church at all, you know the churches that are not unified, right? You know where they are, you know who they are, you know, man, they ain't getting nothing done over there because they don't do nothing but fight. We, we know it. That's not the mark of a healthy church. The healthy church is a unified church, one that works together. All the parts are functioning like it's supposed to, being unified, being one, going through thick and thin together, good and bad, hard times, good times, doing all that, being faithful to God through all that. That's the sign. That's the mark of a healthy church. That's the mark of covenant relationship. Covenant relationship, vastly different than just membership. When you covenant with somebody, that's an unbreaking, you can't break that. That is an unbreaking, un, um, unyielding kind of commitment and 
um, bind, bond that goes together there. And that can still happen, even if literally or figuratively, literally or virtually, you have amputated yourself from the church for whatever reason. You can still come back. You can still be grafted back in. You can still come home um, and be a part of the body. God has made a way for you to be joined back, to be reconnected with the body of Christ. So there is hope. You don't have to stay amputated any longer, virtually or literally. There is forgiveness. There is redemption that can be found at the cross of Jesus Christ. There's a story in the Bible of that very, very thing. It's the prodigal son. Everybody's familiar with that story, right? You got this son who's part of the family. He's got his inheritance coming, all that stuff. And he's like, Dad, I'm done with this. I don't want any more of it. Give me my inheritance. I want to go. And that's what he does. His dad gives it to him, and he's gone. He has amputated himself from his family. He goes off, lives crazy, does whatever he does, soon realizes, I have messed up. This is not good. This is not going well. He's like, man, if I can just get home, if I can just get home to daddy, and I'll just be a servant in the house. I, I don't care. I just want to be back. I want to be back at home. So he goes. He goes back home. And what does his dad do? As soon as he sees him, what does he do? He runs to get him. He sees him coming up the road. He runs to get him. Not only does he run to get him, throws his arms around him, loves him back in, and throws a party for him. So it's not like he comes out there and reprimands him. He's like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. What are you here for? Da, da, da. None of that kind of stuff. He welcomes him back as a son again, not even as one of the servants. He's like, no, man, you ain't going to be a servant. What are you talking about? You're my son. That is exactly what God does with us. He adopts us into his family, first of all. And then if we try to amputate ourselves, he is more than willing to bring us back. Forgiveness. There is no sin, no anything that we can do that can push us too far away from God. So you can return. You can be grafted back in. You can be reconnected. And then the church, the church will rejoice. I can assure you, the church will rejoice if that happens because we rejoice in what God rejoices in. He rejoices in his children returning. He rejoices in that. And we also know how badly we all need one another. We cannot accomplish the things that God has set out for us to accomplish unless we are all working together doing what each part is designed to do. We all have to work together performing the functions that we have been assigned to by God. We have to be unified in order to be able to do that. So as we've looked at this passage, as we've kind of walked through and seen a, a few things there that uh, the body has to function as one, that every part has a function to do, and that every part needs one another. And we've seen what it means to be in covenant relationship with one another. I just want to ask you now, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to wrap up here in just a few more minutes. And I just want to, as you think and as you marinate on what, we're, um, what we've been talking about, I've just got a few, a few questions I want to ask. And uh, then the praise team will come in just a minute here. So number one, are you in covenant relationship with God, first of all? 
Are you yourself in covenant relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? That is paramount. That is first and foremost, number one question. If that one's not right, the rest of it does not matter. It does not matter what church you're a part of. It does not matter how involved you are. If that part is not right, nothing else matters. And really, you're just a false. You're like a prosthetic. You're not a real part of the body. If that is not right. Number two, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you willing to consider covenant partnership with us here at Anthem Church in order to help this body of Christ here function as one body with all the parts accounted for and working properly? We, we would love for you to do that. If you're not involved yet, we might have a role for you. And I want you to know, I want you to think what that role might look like. Where could you serve? How could you get involved? There are lots of opportunities. Cleaning team, host team, praise team, children's ministry, AV team, facilities, all different kinds of things, and more than that, many, many opportunities for you. Could you help with our fundraising dinner on, in February? That's coming up. We need some more help with that, too. Lots of opportunities there. And then number three, this is kind of the last thought here. Membership is about partnership. It's not about what I can get out of it. It's about what you can give to it. So how can you participate more in that? What, what role do you need to own that you have been given in order to function as God has designed you to function and where he has placed you? Because that means helping, serving, working so that our church, Anthem Church, can function as God has intended and laid out for us to do. And then how do you need to respond? How do you need to respond to those things? So again, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to just give you some time to think. The praise team is, is up here. They're going to begin playing. And uh, then as they sing, you can stand and stand and sing with us. Before they do that, I'm going to pray, though. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the truth of it, the fact that you have given it to us, that we may know you better, that we may understand more and more about you, Lord, specifically about you. And not only that, but how we should respond, how we should live, what we should do as your children, as your disciples as followers of Christ Lord we know we know that we should be a part of the body we know that we need to be a part of the body Lord if there's anybody in here myself included who's not functioning as we should who's not doing what we should be doing what you have designed us to do Lord open our hearts open our minds let us see open our eyes to see where where it is that we need to be serving where we need to be working what we need to be doing and if we're doing something that we ought not be doing lord help us to stop that help us to function within the role that you have placed us in that you want us in and let the person who is supposed to do what we're trying to do do that lord i pray that you would pray that you would bring the parts of the body together that you have designed for anthem church 
whoever that is, whatever that looks like, Lord, I pray that you'll just, you'll build your body as you see fit, Lord. You're good and you're gracious and you promise to never leave us nor forsake us and we trust that. But we do ask for your help. And Lord, if there's anybody in here this morning, anybody who does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, if they have not got that covenant relationship with you through your son Jesus, Lord, I pray that that would be the first thing that happens today. I pray that you would break their heart. Lord, that they would see themselves as you see them. And Lord, that you would draw them close. Lord, that you would work in their heart as only you can. Father, thank you for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I have a, uh, I have a quote here that I want to read from one of my favorite preachers of all time. This guy lived in 1890-something. He was the, the pastor in England, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, uh, known as the Prince of Preachers. He is uh, amazing. Um, But this is a quote from him. It's a long one, so bear with me, but it's good, all right? He wrote in a message, this is a message he preached to his church. He says, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had ever joined a church till I had, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I would have never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been perfect, been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Love that line. Love that line. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should, as speedily as possible, also give themselves to the Lord's people, the church. How else is there to be a church on earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone. And then the testimony for God would be lost to the world. As I have already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for you not joining it, if you are the Lord's. Nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution of perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace who though they are saved are still sinners and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers the church is the nursery for god's weak children where they're nourished and grow strong it is the fold for christ's sheep the home for christ's family Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the, uh, the blessing of the body of Christ, the, your church, Lord. Uh, we thank you for everything that you do in and through that, uh, on our behalf, through us, in it. And uh, Lord, what you have in the future in store for us as well, Lord. We thank you for the meal that has been provided uh, back here, Lord. We pray that you would bless it, bless every individual that took part in providing anything there, and uh, we just pray for a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship and, uh, and hanging out this afternoon. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.